Welcome to the culture of you. Meaningful dialogue with me and my favorite people. Here we are today. Welcome to the culture of you. I'm your host, Karen Hewitt, and I am so excited today to be doing my first in-person recording of this podcast, as well as with one of my most incredible best friends, um, Tori Reed. Tori Reed. I'm going to say that Tori Reed is the executive director of ToriReed.org. Um, Tori Reed has also done some copy, um, some strategy marketing around the writing space and making copy that applies to uh, your work. And that's where I have been able to work with Tori most recently in the space of creating this launch and the launch for this podcast and my Patreon, The Culture of You. And so I am so excited to be here. Tori has also been a friend through Um, Before anything got cool or recorded, Um, Tori has been there as a friend. Oh, she's seen me through some of the the worst times in my life and she stayed. So I am so happy Um, she stayed and she has challenged me in the most loving ways to to figure out who I was, to explore different things about myself. And I'm forever indebted and grateful for you as a friend. But we're going to talk a little bit more professional and that kind of thing. So Tori, maybe define a little bit about what you do and also, uh, you know, what brought you here today? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. That's an incredible introduction. <laughs> and likewise, we're like, we've seen each other through some, some shit. Yes. Um, but no, that's an incredible introduction. My background is in marketing, direct response, copywriting. Um, but recently and i think this is just like the more i worked with clients and the more i realized you and i were talking about this earlier i work with clients who are business owners and they're like oh i'm struggling to do this i'm struggling to put myself out there i'm struggling to do x y and z and i asked them why i'm the kind of person who always asks why um and the why always led back to their relationship with themselves their relationship with the people around them it was always relationship oriented um so i found myself giving a lot of advice along those routes. Um, and I've also, I mean, you've been present for my journey and starting to explore a lot of that stuff within myself. And so now I'm moving into that space, helping people connect better with themselves and the people around them. It was a very wordy introduction. Did I answer your question though? You absolutely answered my question. So (laughs) thanks for answering that in a little bit more depth. We've also taken a really wonderful journey down our, both our individual and then collective neurodivergent paths. So Mm -hmm. Um, you're going to get really authentic here. As you can see, like I'm sitting up, uh, Tori's leaning back. And what that really means is that we're both showing up in our authentic selves. So like I'm ready to go and that shows up a little differently. Mm-hmm. You'll see us doing different little things and quirks and just um, take that as love. Like you get to know us authentically here in that space. So we're just going to dive right into it. I know you're not a surface person, so we're just going to dive right into it. So if you had to describe yourself Mm. as, um, we'll we'll do both. So we'll do individually as a vibe, right? So let's say out of the professional space, if you had to define yourself as a vibe, how would you do that? And then if you had to define yourself like professionally as like how you choose to show up, your favorite self, Can you tell me maybe some of the things that are going on when you're your favorite self professionally? So take them both as you want. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's such a huge question. I think personally, just the way that I show up in life, like 
when we're just kicking it and so mm-hmm. I think it depends on the space I show up for the space um if we're just kicking it there's no work involved and we're just hanging out we're having fun I think my inner child comes out a lot so I would I would describe myself maybe as more playful mm-hmm. um maybe a little bit more loud maybe I don't know more playful for sure and then whenever I'm in a space of work um my primary focus, I think, is to focus on just being grounded. I just want to be in the way that I show up with work. And this was true with B2B as well as, um, or the marketing space, as well as the work that I'm moving into now, it's just being grounded and being a safe space for people to receive support. And so I think I focus on that. You included in that safe space? Am I included in that safe space for work? Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay. 100%. I think so. Most of the time. Nobody's perfect with that though, right? Mm -hmm. I know we were talking the other day at one of my coaching uh, sessions and you mentioned having like a Buddhist. Mm -hmm. I mentioned you having a Buddhist vibe or what I felt like a Buddhist vibe because I walk in, the incense is going and the music is probably on Mm lo-fi. And I walked, I was like, this is very peaceful. It's giving me Buddhist vibes. What did you say to that? Yeah, that's very true. And that is, I think, one of the ways that I take care of myself. I moved into the space so that I could be able to set that vibe for myself. For me, space, atmosphere is important. Um, And I think I'm starting to relate that more to the the autism. Mm-hmm. because the more peaceful I can keep my space, then the better I'm able to like regulate in it and feel like, feel, feel safe and feel at home just within my nervous system without feeling overstimulated. And so that's really important. Yeah. 100%. I realize the more at capacity I am, mm-hmm. uh, we both have autism. And when I look at the capacity or how much capacity I have, if I don't have a lot of capacity, I can be really irritable. Mm-hmm. And so it's really important to set, set the space up for kind of success. Yep. 100%. I completely agree. One of the things that I learned through my diagnosis. So for everybody who's watching, I'm late diagnosed. And one of the things that I realized through my diagnosis is that I'd spent all of my life trying to adapt to all these different environments. And one of the things that diagnosis has given me is the ability to give myself permission to create an environment that's more adapted to me. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's probably been like one of the most beautiful journeys I've been on because with every step I take, things get a little bit better. They feel a little bit better in my day-to-day. It's amazing. Absolutely. So let's get into what you've been doing on TikTok. (laughs) You like low-key just came into the scene like, hey, I'm not your therapist. And that was like (laughs) your tagline. (laughs) You're like, I'm not your therapist. And then all of a sudden, next thing we know, uh, Tori's in the friend group talking about, uh, I think Kalani liked the post or I think, I think, and there was like thousands of people, like there were thousands of people. There were so many comments. I know you had to take some steps back because of that yeah. too, but tell us That's a little wild. bit about what your, not your therapist content looks like. Oh uh, yeah. My, not my, that was wild. I did not expect for TikTok to kind of take, man, that algorithm is gnarly. Um, <laughs> That algorithm is something else. I definitely didn't expect it to take off the way that it did. But yeah, I just wanted to add opinions. I think that's what the that's what it says. Um, I have opinions. You're welcome to use them. Not a therapist. That's the whole bio. And that's all it is. And so it started out with me just feeling like I have things to get off my chest. And I was doing, do you remember when I was doing those little, um, 
like TED talks on Instagram. I would just type them up. I got, I was getting a lot of responses to those. And that would just be me waking up in the morning, super early pacing around thinking I have this thought that comes to mind and I want to rant about it on Instagram. And people started saying like, no, keep these coming. I like these thoughts. I like what you're doing with this. Um, And then between that and the feedback that I was also getting from my clients, I'm like, I think, I think life is leading me in this direction. I feel called to do this. Um, People are receiving this and I am gravitating towards this. And so I just kept, I've just been moving more and more into that space. You got some clients too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. They asked me to coach. I wasn't sure about that at first. And then I was like, <laughs> they kept asking and I was like, I'll try it. <laughs> it's going really well. I love it. <laughs> so so <laughs> we talk about modalities, you know, in that space. And I think it's really important to have, you know, a mechanism or tools. Right. And I use the adaptive strategies. So that's, the mm-hmm. fact that we all have adaptive strategies, they protect safety, connection, belonging, and dignity. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a little more extended version of your uh, fight, flight, freeze response. Um, what modalities or tools or mechanisms have you found to be like kind of your base resource or what you go back to mm-hmm. all the time when you're talking to people about opinions and like where you stand and what what frustrates you or what challenges you? Mm-hmm. Um. Shoof. I think that there's only that I can think of. Let me know if I'm missing one, but there's only one thing that I can think of. That's like a defined, a well-defined modality that I find myself pointing people towards, um, in terms of the personal work. And that's IFS, which has been a game changer for me, as you know, or just getting to know your inner child, um, getting to know, like, it's a tool to get to know, to explore your insides. Why do I feel this way? What does um, IFS stand for? Internal family systems. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Which uh, a lot of people also know as parts work. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, but that's where, I mean, the inner child, inner teen, these are popular characters right now mm-hmm. in some, some spheres of the internet. And so it's growing in popularity, the idea of reparenting and all that stuff. Um, that's one modality that I reference quite a bit. I can't practice that with anybody, but I do reference it and it can be an independent practice and I can support people in discovering their independent practice. Mm-hmm. As far as um, other tools and things that I use, I love to refer back to boundaries and compassionate accountability. You know how much I talk about those things yes. um, all the time. Those are two of my favorite tools. Can you talk about compassionate accountability? Yeah. What do you want to know about? You have a specific question? <laughs> um, where do you find it showing up the most? And like, what is it? Mm, Compassionate accountability, I would say, is the ability to let somebody know that they have caused harm, right? Stand firm in that accountability or to address somebody's actions in whatever way, um, even if there's no harm involved. Um, But doing so with their experience in mind. Right. I think a lot of the time we a lot of people resort to blame. I think blame and accountability are two different things. Yeah. Um, I think blame is more looking for an enemy. And I think accountability is looking for connection. It's looking Mm. it's looking for repair. Yeah. Um, And usually that involves some level of compassion, especially for the big, dark and deep stuff that involves a lot of compassion and empathy work. Just in my experience. Yeah. You also. Uh, talk about attachment styles too Mm -hmm. yeah so I think there's there's something there around 
like how am I wired right mm-hmm. to to do these things and I have internal and external processing I have attachment styles I have compassionate accountability for someone especially that is neurodivergent like us that can be overwhelming at times yeah so like what's walk us through your process a little bit as you come up with your content kind of because you like to go deep and you like to go deep quick so you'll normally have a situation in mind or something like that so you know walk us through a sample process of getting to that video that like really explains your conclusion. Mm, Yeah, no, I got you. Usually it's, I see something, I have an experience, I have a conversation. um, I'm seeing someone else's conversation and my, I have an opinion. That's all it is. It's just an (laughs) opinion. Um, And if I feel like that opinion is something that maybe people would like to have that people would maybe get something from um pull it out hit record mm-hmm. there's no real structure to the tiktok content at this moment it's just that and that's actually one of the things that i committed to and in moving into this space is that i would only create from an inspired place um because spending so long in the business side of it where you're creating from, you know, frameworks and you're developing these processes so that you can be a content mill and you're pumping out content. It becomes very rote. It loses spirit. It loses soul. Mm -hmm. And so when I changed direction and I committed to this, I'm like, I'm going to create from an inspired place. Um, And if anything, I'll create a process to help fuel my inspiration Right. Right. Or refuel that again so I could find that again. But that's it. And so normally it's just like a strike of I don't know if it's a download from spirit from source. And I'm just speaking that sometimes Mm -hmm. it feels that way. Other times it just feels like I have an opinion and I'm going to share that real quick in case it helps somebody. That's all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I mean, coming from a space where I do this work and relationship is so important, what I've seen that I've loved about like the public facing thing. Cause I, I know you do this uh, in, individually on a one-to-one basis, um, mm-hmm. but I love that you have clients that are getting to experience this part of you now that get to work through some of those things. But I mean, one of the things you said to me today was that everybody that you work with has a therapist. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so they're already working yep. towards that. So they have some shared language mm-hmm. and they have some information. Yeah. Um, why is why is that so important in this work that you're doing now? That's a really great question. I um, people have a lot of very strong opinions about therapy. Um, I have some pretty strong opinions, honestly, just about the institution not being built for everybody. It's not built for everybody. At the same time, I also have experience with enough people in social work and enough people in therapy to know that the people are, I respect therapists. Mm -hmm. I respect therapists and I respect their work and I respect their training. Um, And I think that, I think that I want to make sure that I'm not doing any harm or stepping on any toes or causing any problems. So I love when my clients show up and they say, I'm working with a therapist. That's great. Um, one of the conversations that you and I have had Mm -hmm. about thought leadership and that whole thing, you know, this about me, I'm like, I don't necessarily want to like lead anybody's thoughts, happy to give you fuel, 
-hmm. happy to give you tools, resources, happy to give you pieces, happy to give you samples, happy to give you something that you can take and grab. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but I never want to be the only one or that North star, like, Oh, if Tori said it, then it must be true. All of our truths are different. And so when clients show up and we, we, we're talking about things that could potentially be pretty heavy, right. Um, you can't like, there's only so much that you can talk about in terms of attachment, Mm -hmm. for instance, right. Without then asking the question of where did that come from? Childhood caregivers, you only go so far before you realize there's trauma in that. And so the fact that they have therapists helps me feel um, more confident that they're safe in their experience. It's not just me. It's not just their therapist either. Now they have a more widened support system Mm -hmm. where hopefully we're all there trying to help them to the best of our ability. Mm -hmm. Um, But now they have more options. They have more choice. Yeah. It's like a nice structured support network. Yeah. Becomes a support network. I love that. Yeah. And I think, I think in this work, cause I I'm trauma informed as well and definitely not a therapist. I'm married to one, but um, <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't give me automatic clout. So, uh, you know, as we talk about the trauma informed space, we've done a lot of work mm-hmm. on, um, you know, where does that start? If I had, even if it's like a sneaky underlying, like you said, you get to root causes, uh, fear of, being forward facing, right. Or mm-hmm. a fear of launching or a fear of loss. Um, definitely have some of those experiences. Yeah. If I have any of those fears as I'm talking about creating content or launching something very public facing or forward facing, uh, with messaging in my face all over and my name and you know what I mean? Like all mm-hmm. of that stuff. What, what would you say is the work that like is the hardest for you as you do your own individual work? Cause I know you do your own work Ooh. around this. So like, what, what is the hardest thing for you around getting to those root causes for yourself? Mm, the hardest thing? Yeah. Uh, usually developing the courage to um, allow myself to be surprised. Mm. As someone with a disorganized attachment style, I find that sometimes I don't really know how I'm feeling or where something is coming from until I like open that can of worms. I don't always know where it's going. (laughs) Um, I don't always know what I'm about to find under there. And so, and I know that because I've been in this process, I've gone through that experience. So I, yeah, sometimes it's about like developing the courage or yeah, to take a look under the hood. Um, and the way that that shows up in my life is usually procrastination, avoiding it for a second until (laughs) I get it together. Uh, but I have this sort of relationship with my own parts where my inner teen and my inner child come knocking and other parts as well that I've identified. And they're like, yo, (laughs) you, you gave me an IOU on this conversation. Are we going to have that or not? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're going to have it. I promise. Avoid, avoid, avoid. (laughs) (laughs) They keep me accountable. My parts keep me accountable for sure. That's, that's interesting. It's interesting when we talk about adaptive strategies too, because it's like avoid is like right there. Like you don't need to have this conversation right now. Right. You're doing great. Yeah. You're good. Mm-hmm. Your bills are paid. You're all right. You're fine. You're fully functional. Mm-hmm. You don't need to go this deep right now. Right. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, what do you think is available on the other side of, of that for you? Like, what do you think is available or what's possible on the other side of like avoidance? 
on the other to side. yourself yeah when you actually do have those conversations oh my god it's always incredible like to right. the point where every time I do it I'm just like girl why would you why are you so afraid <laughs> um it's painful don't get me wrong like some of the stuff that you unpack like you have to you have to go through the pain to go through it but then I have the most cathartic cry and then I find answers I didn't know I needed mm -hmm. and it's one of the reasons that I talk about parts work it's because it's been that instrumental for me um, but regardless of the modality, whether it's parts, parts work or something else, my solutions more often than not, when it comes to anything I'm feeling is definitely to go inward in whatever way that works for me, that's with use of parts work for somebody else. It could be journaling, mm -hmm. um, which those aren't necessarily mutually exclusive, but mm -hmm. yeah. And so like, as a leader of a team, I know you've led teams at different times, mm -hmm. uh, someone who supervises, I mean, even managing yourself is supervision in, in one way or another. Yeah. How would you say those concepts show up as a leader or like as someone who possibly people look to for influence, even though you're telling them, you're giving them the <laughs> Charles Barkley, like, yeah. I'm not your role model. <laughs> Don't do that. Um, I'm human. I'm fallible too. People, you know, when they like what they see or what they, they like your message, they don't always they don't always remember that, right? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah. how does that show up as a supervisor and as a leader, especially when you're leading like teams or multiple people? Yeah, I'm definitely someone who believes that any um, consistent issue that an organization is having is top down. And so I haven't always believed that. And I've been managing since I was much younger, but the last team that I led was my own team with my um, copywriting agency. And anytime that we, anytime, just kind of as a rule that any of the team members were struggling or we were struggling with performance or whatever the case was. Um, don't get me wrong. Like I believe in holding them accountable for their choices and their behavior. But at the same time, I'm asking myself, is this a training issue? Mm -hmm. Right. I'm checking that first and foremost. Um, but that's just me. But yeah, I go for, is it a training issue? Is it a process issue? Is it a systems issue? Um, the team member just not being just not performing to standard that's the last resort for me I go through everything else first including a is it a me issue mm -hmm. am I holding on too tight am I not giving them enough autonomy am I giving them too much autonomy and maybe they're not ready for that yet like am I triggered and that's why I have a problem with this and it's not that bad like I'm asking all of those <laughs> <Right>. questions <laughs> um mm -hmm. the last thing I want to do is get to that last step of being like no it's them it's a yeah. them issue they're not a good fit yeah that's the last thing you want to do. Mm -hmm. You want to try to exhaust all possible, you know, ways to look at the situation and correct it. Yeah. And the problem solve for it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I'm just thinking of what if so many leaders <laughs> looked at things like <laughs> this? I mean, but it does require a certain amount of uh, ability to set your ego aside mm -hmm. and to interrogate whatever practices are, because whenever we have systems, and whenever we have someone who's a leader, mm -hmm. there's going to be some hierarchy and like power dynamics that automatically become present in the room. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really important, I think, to be aware of that in my experience. Like I always knew with Shift, I'm like the writers, they're not going to be open with me the way they're going to be with like say Wes, my project manager, like they're not going to be open with me the way that they would be with um, somebody else on the team. Mm -hmm. And so just knowing that and being able to respect that and give them that space to work as a team, figure it out. Because regardless of how much I want to be like, 
no, I'm not your boss. I'm another team member. I know you're going to see me how you need right, to for I your survival. Like, <laughs> I know you're going to see me how you need to. So it's okay. Um, but yeah. Mm. So what is your vision? Like all those things considered, what is your vision for yourself mm. and community around like healing, repair, thriving? What is my vision? Yeah. Mm. What do you think is possible for yourself? Let's start there. For myself? Oof. I'm after like a regulated nervous system and a lot of peace and relaxation, a lot of good, deep conversations and solid, mm -hmm. secure relationships and some really good food. Yes. I'm I'm pretty easy to please in terms of vision. Um maybe a body of water nearby in terms of yeah. the <laughs> <That's real. laughs> being in the Midwest and all, but in terms of like, um, in terms, yeah, that's what me healing looks like. It just, it feels like being secure in my relationships, secure in my relationship with myself and being able to relax, mm. getting out of survival mode into thriving mode. I think that takes a lot of work to maintain and upkeep, yeah. but that's the, that's the thought. Yeah. I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've written like poem after poem about like the music being on, the food mm -hmm. always being there and people being able to move about the space as they want. Yeah. I think life is a series of dysregulation in our nervous systems mm -hmm. to regulation. Yeah. And hopefully we get to regulation more than not mm -hmm. um, because we can't really stop all the dysregulation from occurring. Nah. Um, but that's where the tools come in. And that's where we're both big mm -hmm. time, big time nerds yeah. about uh, mechanisms, modalities, and creating that network of support and people and also like tools and resources. Yeah. Yeah. That's like really important. So looking at the, um, let's look at a situation or let's talk more situational. Mm -hmm. um, when a situation comes up that maybe is challenging for you or maybe puts you and your nervous system in a state of dysregulation. Yeah. What do you do? What does it look like? How do you handle drama? And you can answer this as extensively as you want to. Um, you can answer this around friends, around uh, work, around yourself, one-to-one, um, -one, group, whatever you want. Mm -hmm. But like, what does it look like when you're dysregulated and how is that different like than you want to show up? Mm, how is that different than I want to show up? Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Mm -hmm. When I, my biggest weak spot right now, weak spot right now that I'm, I don't like calling it a weak spot. My biggest focus, my biggest area of, of attention right now mm -hmm. in terms of um, adaptive strategies is when I feel misunderstood. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, and as I dig into this, I realize, oh, there's like a fine line for me and the way my nervous system and brain process, whatever this is about this communication uh, where there seems to be a fine line between like a misunderstand, like an innocent misunderstanding versus an accusation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so for me, when I feel accused, I can jump into defending, right. If this is somebody whose opinion I care about, yeah. um, or if this is, I think it's happened once 
on TikTok so far? Because you know those comments be coming in. I'm t- we, that was the first. That was our first conversation <laughs> in our coaching thing. It was like, I'm okay with being public facing, but then those comments, mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna want to address them differently because of our brains and the autism yeah. and like ADHD. We will hyper focus on one comment, and there could be like thousands of like mm-hmm. encouraging, mm-hmm. empowering comments, and we'll be like why did they say that like that? That's not what I said. Right. (laughs) Exactly. And so those comments be trying me, but I think I'm separated enough just because it's a digital platform to like stop and grab myself in that moment. Mm -hmm. I think I'm probably at the biggest risk of it when it comes to having conversations, particularly hard conversations with a friend. And if something that they are saying comes off as I'm taking it as like an accusation that's the worst case scenario. Even if I take it as a misunderstanding, I may start to defend without being um, any sort of like angry with them. So more, it's more of like a frustrated, like, oh, I'm not feeling heard. Right. Um, so I deal with that quite a bit. That's a big one to not feel heard, seen or valued. Mm, yeah. And I mean, I think at the root of a lot of conversations or interactions or relationships, if one person isn't feeling heard, seen or valued, that could really like disrupt even end a connection yes like it could completely end it Mm -hmm. um all right so how do you deal with drama let's let's just keep that specific how do you deal with drama like what's your process for that um so I don't believe in the whole drama free thing like I did it don't get I think everyone should probably everyone deserves a drama free phase right um how long did that phase last for you maybe a year I was very (laughs) quiet very reserved year for me um did a lot of introspection in that year and it's not that drama didn't approach me it's that I walked away from it Mm -hmm. um but yeah, I did about a year of that and I still had work drama, right? Like the universal balance is one way or another, like but I here. didn't do any personal drama. These are no opportunities. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was a cool phase. So now though I'm out of that, I value conflict actually. I think that it's really more so about deciding what the drama is that's worth having. Yeah. Yeah. And so as far as my process goes, like that's the first thing I'm like, is this drama worth having? um yay or nay what are the consequences there what's the cost what's the payment yeah there's a cost to everything right for sure I love that so now what I want to do is a situational hot seat Mm. so this is um and this will be hard because we know each other really really well yeah and we generally know what's going on in each other's lives but I want you to think of a situation that maybe I don't know about or if I do we're going to remove like names okay right you know what you've done. So we're going to talk about that at the end, mm-hmm. but I want you to uh, present this situation to me and see what I would do. So present as much of the facts as you can, mm-hmm. and I will tell you what I would probably do. And then we'll talk about what you did. Mm. Okay. I did not have anything prepared for this. Let me see. Let me see. This is the point, everyone. What, <laughs> what would you do if someone who let's say you had a mentee okay okay Mm -hmm. and this mentee y'all have synergy Mm -hmm. right um so the way that you're mentoring them they receive it they're open they're receptive y'all are able to riff um and they're like thriving with that under that tutelage and then they make a big life transition they go through a major change in life Mm. that was their choice in a lot of ways in some ways no 
Um, but their energy has been different since then, which is okay. They're kind of exploring and figuring out who they are at mm-hmm. this point with this big, like it's nothing major that way. But now they're not as receptive. Mm. What do you do? Ooh, um, I mean, for, I have and mentees in this situation. Like yeah. that's what's so interesting. <laughs> and I, I think that's always a hard line. Um, I was watching a show. I was watching New Amsterdam. I'll be specific. Ooh, I was watching, watching New Amsterdam, Amsterdam right now. <laughs> wow. Of course we are. Um, we do this. Uh, or we'll be like, are you reading this book or have you read this book? And it'll be like queued up in our audibles. Um, <laughs> so I was watching New Amsterdam and there was this therapist that uh, was basically ending his relationship with one of his clients. Mm-hmm. And um, the client was like, you know, I just feel like every time I talk to you, you know so much about me. He was like, I know everything about, you, you know, is there anything you want to tell me about this experience? Cause they just got placed in a foster home. Mm. And so the person was like, I just feel like every time I talk to you, I'm, I'm, I'm still broken. Cause you know, all that stuff about me mm. from my past. So I just feel broken. And he was like, this is the time when our our relationship has to end, mm. right? Oh wow! Um, he's like teared up a little bit, but he's like, you know, you're not broken, mm-hmm. and you've done a ton of work, and I'm always going to be here, and it's time for you to to seek new resources, yeah, or seek a new support system, especially around the psychiatrist. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, with that, it's it's a hard line sometimes to determine. Uh, whether that's there as even as an employer, if I feel like there's tension, I'm just going to say, I feel like there's tension here. Mm -hmm. And I feel like there's tension because I feel like, uh, and I mean, around the taking my advice and stuff, they're not as receptive. If that's the case, then to me, that's good. Mm -hmm. Like they're, they're starting to think on their own. They don't need my thoughts and opinions and influence to make decisions. Mm -hmm. Um, so that may mean that there's been some healing in a certain aspect of maybe what we were talking about or what we were working towards. But, um, you know, I think a lot of it is around, do I feel in my wisdom? Cause a mentor to me, I'm not, they're not paying me. Mm -mm. This is just a a at will situation. Mm -hmm. And if that's the case, then, I mean, I'm going to weigh like, some some way because I, I talk about centering the dignity it's kind of like you're um considering their compassionate accountability it's like mm-hmm. considering uh their their lived experience as well or whatever they're experiencing now um but I'll give them a chance to kind of unpack that and see if that's something that they're experiencing too mm-hmm. like are they experiencing the disconnect that I'm experiencing are they yeah. feeling the the disconnect that I'm feeling in the sense that maybe I'm not helpful and in that case are we wasting each other's time and maybe we go to from a every other week check-in to a monthly Mm check-in or um you know and start there and then I would gradually and they call it um you know in intimate relationships they call it uncoupling (laughs) but like what I would call it is um you know is there some way that we can kind of uncouple this was this are we staying in this because we're dependent on this and it feels like it's still necessary, but the mean, the truth is that the, you've outgrown mm-hmm. maybe this interaction and maybe my care and support or how far, maybe you've gone as far as you can go with me guiding you in this, in this dynamic. Right. Um, so, I mean, I would probably explore those things and 
I have a tendency to endure a little bit longer than um, maybe I should. And then I feel like this extreme relief at the end. <laughs> um, but now when that actually, there was some tension and, and that kind of happened in one of my mentor relationships. And I said, I think it may be this, this, and this. And they were like, I, I think it is. And then I said, let's take a break. And so we didn't schedule anything for a couple months. They went out and lived and then they were like, okay, I still need this. <laughs> and like, you yeah. were right about A, B, and C. And I'm not saying that to like, you know, virtue signal in a way that's like, oh, I was right. Mm. But um, I'm like tw- 15 years their senior. Yeah. So I've just lived more. Like, that's mm-hmm. all that is, is I've lived more and um, I want to empower people to make their own decisions as well. Um, and so for me, it's it's really about, okay, how can we set this up that centers your dignity that realizes that I'm not trying to just dismiss you Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, delete you in any way from my life. I just, we just need to weigh how much this takes up and how much of this space is taken up by, um, how much is this space taken up by our tension Mm -hmm. as opposed to our growth? Mm. Mm-hmm. So I think, I think that's important. Yeah. What'd you do? That's beautifully explained. Um, I took some of those steps. So I started with realizing that they were just shutting, like they, so we have a more fluid relationship. They hit me up whenever they want support mm-hmm. with something. Um, and we also have bi-weekly calls, but they hit me up whenever they want support with something. So I just started by realizing like, oh, they're kind of like shutting down mm. anything that I throw at them and they're, but they're also just like you said, they're more decisive about these things that they maybe previously would not have been. Mm-hmm. So they're shutting me down, but they're also making their own decisions. They're more decisive. They, it seems to me like they're clear on what they want. Mm-hmm. This big transition that they've made, it's fueled them in a way. They're kind of like propelling themselves forward. And so I really just kind of, I started with just stepping back. Um, and giving them some space in that before it turned into like a tense place that just felt like the drama that isn't worth it. Like just the drama that maybe, I don't want to say isn't worth having per se in relationships because relationships are important, but that maybe could have been avoided. And so I just stepped back, gave, gave them some space. Mm -hmm. Um, more recently, we just had that, I just opened that conversation about energy's been different. What are we going to do here? Yeah. Yeah. And they said that they felt it too. Um, And so I think we haven't reached like any final conclusion. It's just, they had a lot going on. I had a lot going on. Give it a minute, let things level out and Mm -hmm. see where we land, I think is where we're at. But you're probably right. It could be a a situation of enduring, Mm -hmm. right? But I also don't know that either one of us are going to be sure until we see where things land, which may just be like a couple of weeks. I don't know. Yeah, I also think that a dynamic that I'm also willing to call out that I don't think people are willing to call out too is we're both Leos. So I think that's important to to note. Um, And we do have our individual and unique charm about us. Um, (laughs) But what I will say in that sense is sometimes the attraction changes. So Mm -hmm. like where somebody wants a mentor and um, somebody wants a mentor and I'm mentoring you and then they're like, this is shifting there's some sort of resistance around that Mm -hmm. if it's shifting to like oh no I like you I'm a little dependent on you Mm. like I like you like Mm. that can change a dynamic real quick with the mentor situation because that's something I have really strong boundaries around yeah I do too um I don't 
think that's showing up here. Okay. Also, if it was showing up here, I'm not even sure I'd want to talk about it. So we're good. We're good. We're good. We're good. Okay. So that's a situational hot seat. Thank you for, for that. I love that we we had some patience with that process because I think where when you have like a really dysregulated nervous system, if something comes up, like people don't spend time weighing the cost or mm. weighing that dynamic. Mm. Like you said, like we're choosing conflict to approach resolution to approach repair and healing. And if we're not in that space where we want to do that, your initial gut reaction can be cut it off. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't need this. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not even getting paid to do this. Like (laughs) you can have it, (laughs) like you can have it. So I love that we walked through those processes and they were separate processes and different, but um, they also spoke to really that compassion and that, you know, taking your time. Mm -hmm. Like that's a big thing is taking your time, slowing down and taking your time with relationships, handling stuff with care. Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. I did not always know that, like how important that is to just learn how to just sit with some shit for a minute. Yeah. Just be able to sit, to be able to sit in tension in a relationship is such a tremendous skill. Mm -hmm. Um, Cannot overstate that. Sorry, go ahead. Got really <laughs> no, <excited>. that's fine. <laughs> Keep talking about it if you want, because I just know. Uh, and like I told y'all, my wife's a therapist. And sometimes the hardest thing for me is to sit with her disappointment and not feel responsible for it. Oh, yeah. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. That's talk to that. Um, sitting with people's disappointment. I can't speak to sitting with my wife's disappointment. I don't have one. Would you like to would you like to speak to that? I mean, is this like a low-key plug too, though? Because I mean also. She's not like looking, looking, but I think there's some openness. So, you know, <laughs> shoot your shot in the Patreon. <laughs> I'll make sure she gets the message. If you don't hear anything, no news is no news. It's not good news. No news is no news. <laughs> We're busy over here, though. Oh, working. Man. I can only imagine what those messages would look like. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh my gosh, your luscious locks. <laughs> i make you blush a little bit. Um, but yeah. And she just is brilliant. It's so great. Um yeah, we'll bromance uh, real quick a little bit there. But I think one of the things that's really important or what I what I notice around um you being single is you do have a lot of really intimate friendships. Mm. So I think the the relationship is really important. Yeah, I very much value my relationships. Um, I think that emotional intimacy, yeah, that's become important to me over time. Vulnerability has become important to me over time. Um, I didn't used to trust it. And I think I also didn't really understand it. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't trust people with it. And then I had this conversation with my therapist, who knows exactly how to say some shit to me that just hits the right way that I needed to in that moment and (laughs) yeah 100% and so we were having a conversation um when I was at a time when I was in a more closed off space Mm -hmm. in terms of vulnerability and emotional intimacy and thing and affection and, and all kinds of things of that nature and she asked me what the deal was between me and vulnerability and I was just like yeah I don't like being vulnerable and she's like why don't you like being vulnerable? And I'm like, cause I don't trust people to respond well to my, I've been in situations where I've been vulnerable and then people have hurt me. Mm-hmm. Um, 
in one way or another. They've taken that and they've hurt me in one way or another. And she said, Tori, is it that you don't trust other people to react the way that you would like for them to, or is it that you don't trust yourself to be able to handle it? And she knows, (laughs) she knows that as a Leo with my Mars is in Aries, I'm up for a challenge. Moon is in Aries. Your moon is in Aries? Yeah. I'm up for a challenge. I'm like, oh, but in a real sense, (laughs) what she was doing was she was pointing me to my power. Mm. She was pointing me back to what I can control because I was, she noticed real quick, I'm focusing on things that I can't control in those spaces and vulnerable spaces. It's Mm a vulner risk is inherent. Risk is inherent. People are not always going to respond the way that we want them to. Um, And so how do I handle myself? How do I make sure that I can receive whatever that is, protect myself and whatever that is, if need be. And then heal from whatever that is, I think is the most important thing if harm does come in that area. Um, and once I got clear on that, I was like, okay, I can I can be all right. I wherever. can start dipping my toes in this vulnerability stuff. Mm-hmm. And it just really deepens your connections. And I think once you feel that, there's really no going back. Yeah. 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 It just opens up your world and your experiences to like more presence to me means more joy. Mm. like more depth and like laughter and love and care and community and I think we all have our longing for that like we're wired for belonging 100% I agree yeah so with that I think we've kind of cracked the code here in in a very little amount of time for (laughs) this depth of a conversation so I'm so grateful that you're having uh, this conversation with clients um, with TikTok we all know that TikTok can use whatever positive stuff we can use it's real too like it's not just you know mm, it's not yeah. just blind positivity it's it's real and it, it's always coming back to that self so what are you up to what projects do you have going on how can people get a hold of you or get in contact with you um for for work you know what i'm saying move those requests to me and i'll <laughs> i'll vet you accordingly <laughs> like, but no how do people get in touch with you um you guys can go to my website toryreed.org t-o-r-i-r-e-i-d.org i'm sure you'll be able to put that in the description somewhere sure. um and then also i'll have my tiktok which i'll also have you just link in the description so people can have an easy time finding me yeah what's your at i don't even know bro I know mine's like Karen Marie 2121. It's like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know if it, it's my name, but I don't know if it's like the Tory Reed. Oh, because it couldn't be like just my name. Right. So it had to be something. I had to choose a different one. I think if I type Tory, but you're also in my contacts. Right. So it'll pop up. So if she's not in your contacts, it might, it not, might pop not pop up. up. Yeah. So I'll, I'll have the link in the description or cool. you, you can try the Tory Reed and let us know. But by that time, this will be done. <laughs> <laughs> Any projects that you're excited for? Um, here in the near future let's say the next quarter uh 100% I don't know if I can talk about it yet but I have something coming for um I have something coming for the community on TikTok Mm. and it will give them space and support in a way that is not currently being offered that's it that's all I got 
Yeah, I don't even know what this is, y'all. So I'm very <laughs> excited about it. Um, I don't even really like to be on TikTok all like that. But when it's my people, I will definitely spend some minutes, at least three, listening to Tori <laughs> read. So um, thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having this conversation. I know you don't always like to be in front of the camera. <laughs> and we got like three on us right now. So it's, it's a lot going on. But um I'm so grateful for this conversation and I know some beautiful things are going to come of it, even if it's just how do we have these conversations? What things do we talk about? Mm. How are the neurodivergents doing? Are they okay? We're doing okay. Like we have our tools. Mm, Yeah, the tools have been getting put to use. No, thank you so much for having me. This is cool. Yes, I'm a little camera shy, which is funny because I'm on TikTok, but this this was awesome. This is a practice of vulnerability for me and I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I did it. Thank I'm you. glad you did it too. And it's a practice. Yeah. And when we say practice, we mean that nothing is ever perfect, um, but it is perfect for right now. So thanks for hanging in with us. Maybe you learned something. Maybe you're going to look at some of those tools. Check us both out, toryreed.org and culturereview.com. We'll be happy to see you and talk to you about all the stuff, even though we're not your therapist. All right. Have a great time. And we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>